0: one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome this morning to Strength to Strength. So one of the purposes of Strength to Strength is to um, to host um, speakers on thought-provoking subjects, and uh, I think that's what we have this morning. So this morning we're going to be joined by Dan Ziegler on the question, Would Jesus Vote? So we're looking forward to that. And I think we'll just um, open here with a word of prayer. Uh, Brother John D. Martin is with us, uh, joining us from uh, Chambers uh, Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. And so, Brother John, if you would lead us in an opening prayer.
2: Father, it is with delight and reverence that we commend to your presence. It's awesome to be able to have an audience with the creator of the universe. And I just pray this morning, help us to allow your redemptive grace to bring us into perfect harmony with your will, your thoughts, your feelings, and your desire for our lives at this moment in history. Bless Brother Dan. Lord, just uh, transcend all his preparations and have him able to say what you want him to say to us this morning. And I pray, Lord, that it would be a life-changing message and we would make progress toward being more Christ-like and better kingdom builders. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Alright, Brother Dan is from uh, Minnesota. He's actually joining us today from upstate New York, uh, where he is, um, presently. So, uh, we're going to be, uh, giving the time to him, uh, following his presentation. We will be having a question and answer period. So you can, um, uh, collect your questions and look forward to that then. So Brother Dan, the time is yours.
0: Thank you. Well good morning, everyone. It is so nice to be here with you. I hope you can hear me okay. I, Glenn, just give me wave wave, jump up and down if uh something yeah, it, goes up. It's off excellent. Here. You're doing okay, great. <laughs> good. So glad that so glad to connect with you here on this uh day uh early Saturday morning here in um the run up to election day in the United States. Uh that's I guess coming up this Tuesday if I got my uh calendar correct and um and so this seems like a timely conversation to have especially among um people that are part of the anabaptist faith community uh people within this community have historically understood um what i would say is a a two kingdom understanding of the way things work in the world that we uh just are um our members of the kingdom of God, we are, we are a part of what, what Christ is doing as he is advancing the work of his kingdom and ultimately the work of history, uh, through us. And, and those, uh, that, that understanding affects our allegiances. It affects how we're involved in, uh, in the affairs of the world. Um, and it has historically affected our involvement in political, uh, political, uh, affairs as well um and uh, and the use of coercion and and that type of thing and uh and so we're we're kind of running up to um the um election day here and bryant uh one of the leaders of this uh, podcast contacted me something he's real uh passionate about and and uh, asked me if i would share um uh Wrote an article about this uh, topic that was republished in, uh, plain news recently. And, and there is a link to that article. I'm kind of using that article maybe as a template for our discussion this morning. But if you want to follow up and reread and think through some of what we're sharing again this morning, you can go back to that landing page, um, from strength to strength. And, and there was a link there to that, uh, to that article. Let me share a little bit about myself here before we go forward and I'll maybe talk to you about my relationship with um with with the the world of politics and um you know, political involvement that type of thing uh, i grew up um the child of a church planter uh my dad was a pastor and um so i grew up in an urban context new york city northern new jersey where my dad was involved in the work of church planning for a conservative uh non-anabaptist evangelical denomination called the bible fellowship church that uh, has roots way back in anabaptism but it's it's pretty much left its anabaptist uh, uh history but it was a good christian upbringing a strongly evangelical kind of um uh with with a with a high commitment to um, uh the authority of scripture and and those type of things and that was uh, that was the upbringing i had and when I was eighteen years old um i uh, i wasn't really aware of any kind of uh uh perspective that maybe i ought to think twice about voting or not it was uh we grew up in a pretty civic-minded uh context where christians should be involved in society in a lot of ways and one of the ways we're involved in society is by uh by doing our civic duty and and sometimes it was couched as our christian duty and and uh and, and voting in elections and letting our uh letting our voice be heard in a representative uh democracy so that maybe that was one of the ways we thought about uh, being salt and light you know and um, and that was our uh, that was the perspective that I grew up with um not hyperly politically involved I wouldn't say at that time um but uh, but yet involvement was was kind of expected I was 18 I went to a public school and there was a voter registration drive at that school in in 1980 at probably the spring of of 1980 I was about to graduate high school and so I registered uh, to vote Um, I just didn't think twice about it it's the same same way in in terms of registering with selective service uh, as they were taking names for uh, the possibility that there might be a a war and they wanted all the young men to kind of give their names and contact information and I registered uh, that same year that same spring probably when I turned 18 um with selective service for, uh, for the potential military service. And, and in neither of those things was I necessarily conscientious and just kind of moving along with mainstream society. That, that year in 1980 was an interesting year in, um, uh, most of you don't remember that year, I suspect in the, in the crowd that's here, but, uh, but that year was the election of a guy named Ronald Reagan, a very articulate, uh, uh, former actor my dad used to call him kind of disdainfully that that actor he would say uh and uh raul reagan was running for president against probably what was arguably the most uh one of the most overtly christian um presidents we had had in a long time in and, and, and jimmy carter who had been president and, and and some would argue uh wasn't a great president you know and one of the reasons maybe he wasn't a great resident was he didn't have this uh uh the the uh the instinct to use uh use coercion strongly. Uh there were some times where he was seen as weak, maybe a little bit too kind hearted, a little bit too patient, a little bit too much of a peacemaker, that type of thing. And so uh so there was this election in nineteen eighty, that first year when I registered to vote. And um and one other thing happened that year actually the year before and that it was there was a, the rise of this organization called the Moral Majority. Uh a fellow by the name of Jerry Falwell, senior president of Liberty University, a conservative Baptist in Virginia, uh was uh, he and, and a number of others were responding to what they saw as some of the social degradation of society, the movement of a Judeo-Christian American society away from uh um away from what god would have wanted and and this group called the moral majority emerged in that election in 1980 um and emerged in a big way it was made of a lot of uh, a lot of evangelical christians a lot of conservative christians and mobilized this group of conservative christians and in some ways it was uh even though uh, jimmy carter the, the democrat was was you know sunday school teacher and and probably arguably Quite a bit more involved in his church and in his faith than, than Ronald Reagan ever was. Uh, the moral majority felt that Reagan represented, uh, God's, um, perspective in a, in a better way and, and helped get, uh, um, Ronald Reagan elected. And, and they got credit for that. And that became a huge a uh, boost to the to the conservative christian community that that they could make something happen like this i think they tasted the power of that moment uh and the influence of that moment and that that stirred up this um uh, uh this probably an oversimplification but it, but i think in a lot of ways in modern history stirred up this taste for influence that the conservative um christian evangelical christian community had um well, I didn't vote in that 1980 election um, for for reasons I don't even remember. I, the f- summer came, spring came. I was 18 years old. I was starting to get into going off to college. I, I had a lot of a lot of things going, and, and just kind of moved through that 1980 election. And I didn't I didn't vote, even though I had been registered. I could have voted in that election. Ronald Reagan, as maybe you know. Uh, ended up winning that election and four years later, there was another presidential election. Ronald Reagan was, uh, up for reelection and this was in like 1984. And, um and I was at college at Eastern Mennonite University and that was where I was for, for the first time starting to bump into the story of the early Anabaptists, a group that I had some history with in, in my family history, but I had no idea about it. I didn't know they existed. These people that were, um that were standing up in the face of of the reformation and uh, and and particularly in the reformation's demand for them to be involved um, in uh in the church state uh power structures of the day and they uh they decided that they were uh called to to live lives as followers of Jesus. And as members of his kingdom outside of these power structures that the the, the Reformation, the Lutheran Church, the Calvinist Church had embraced, as had the uh, Roman Catholic Church before them. And um, anyway, uh, so I was just starting to bump into Anabaptism, uh, although as I moved into Anabaptism, I, I became drawn to what I would call non to Anabaptism. Um, and, and one of the reasons was because it seemed like to me, as I learned at Eastern Mennonite University about the early Anabaptists, that the, the non-conformed folks were, the, were, were, were really the keepers of this early Anabaptist vision in a lot of ways. And I, I, some people would call non-conformed Anabaptists plain or, or, or conservative Anabaptists. I don't really like the term conservative because of the way it's loaded nowadays. And and I, and I'm actually really not a conservative, but I was drawn to the radical nature of, uh, nonconformed Anabaptism that, that, that actually believes that, um, how one lives their life, how one, uh, uh, from, from how one, uh, works to how a person holds on to, uh, wealth and, and, uh, to relates to one another, how, how a person dresses, how they speak, you know, that, that Christianity and, and faith in following Jesus just pours into all of our lives. That drew me in, you know, and I became, uh, uh, enamored with, uh, Anabaptism, but that election came along and I still wasn't conscientious about voting, uh, could have voted, but I didn't. Um, and, and, and by the grace of God, I, I like to say because I, uh, um, I don't know what would have happened had I, had i voted uh and i i'll talk to you about this later on but but um voting doesn't isn't a one way isn't a one way street we don't vote and and simply cast our vote um externally voting is also also has an effect on us it it's a it's a two way um it's a two way I- interaction it it draws us into something it 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 moves us towards something it moves us uh and and so I I didn't vote um, and and I don't know maybe maybe had I voted uh, maybe I'm overstating it but had I gotten involved politically the path that uh, we had chosen might have been a different one. Well, by that third presidential election that came along in 1988, I was an Anabaptist. My I was married at that time, married in '84, actually. My wife and I became seekers together. Um, and, uh, and we're drawn more and more into the Anabaptist faith community, not only by the early Anabaptists, but by some of the folks that were living out their faith in a radical uh, way. Um, we changed the way we looked and, and, and the way we dressed and the way we, um, thought in a lot of ways, uh, um, in some ways to the chagrin of our families who didn't quite understand what in the world we were doing and where we were heading. This is about 35 years ago or so. Uh, joined a, a very conservative, um, Lancaster Conference Church at the time and, uh, became, uh, Mennonites and became part of the Anabaptist faith. And it was at that time that, that I became a conscientious objector, um, as someone who, uh, believed in, um, uh, non-resistance that, uh, that the teachings of Jesus asked us to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecuted us. Uh, and at that point um it had selective service called me uh, I'd have had a different answer to them than I would have had back in uh, a few years earlier um but I also became a conscientious abstainer uh when it comes to the voting process i i uh, by that time, I had believed uh that that the way of Christ was not Um, moving forward through the political processes even even if those processes maybe were bringing about what looked like a godly uh law or um or 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 a a more godly candidate than the other candidate who was less godly or whatever um i became a conscientious saner and and i did that uh in context of understanding that this faith community that this was the commitment of this faith community that we 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 don't participate in the uh uh the power structures of this world that we we are a part of a the non-coercive kingdom of god that's moving forward in the hearts of people that's in in our midst as jesus said uh, was it already uh, but uh uh not yet kingdom you know that it would come in its fullness as, as uh George Eldon Ladd used to call it, but, uh, but anyway, um, and, and that was, well, that's my story. So I sit here before you, uh, having never voted in an election, um, in anything from a dog catcher to president. Um, and I don't know if they vote dog catchers in, or that's, that's just, anyway. Uh, so, uh, it's, and, and it, it was just, um, Initially, it just happened to be apathy or whatever that kept me from voting but i I, I look back and i 'm glad i I never did and like i said i don 't know what the effect would have been on on me but so i 've done some thinking about about voting uh, over the years as someone who has had to answer to an awful lot of people who do vote who are politically involved. My whole family is politically involved. Um, and, as time has gone by, my family has moved like a lot of evangelical Christians into a more radical politically amped up uh um, perspective on on faith and politics um uh, and uh, and so that context is happening and and you all know right now i mean that the I've been around long enough um to have seen uh my earliest memories were of the 60s and things were pretty amped up back then it was uh, the violence was coming uh in a lot of ways from those on the left and and the civil rights movement was was happening riots in the streets uh you know um, uh followed up by by anarchists and 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 other kind of political uh um, uh, violence and 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 the sexual revolution was happening back then the vietnam war was happening so i remember that time as a very tumultuous time um but but it, i i don't know but it, but it feels like we're we're amping up again that politics is becoming very hypercharged right now and you folks in pennsylvania are kind of sitting right in the middle of it right now you're in the middle of a uh from what I understand, a Senate race that may decide the power structures for the whole country and control of the Senate and billions of dollars are being poured into Pennsylvania to convince people to be a part of this, uh, choice and, and vilifying one side over the other. You, you just, that's just ramping up. Uh, you're in the middle of a governor's race, uh, um, from what I hear, Um one of the candidates for governor in Pennsylvania has some connections with a with a church that is um peripherally peripherally Anabaptist. And um a a church I've been to myself over uh, back a number of years ago, but uh not not as a part of, but just a visitor. But anyway, so so that's um we're feeling that the other thing we're feeling is that the, uh, the passion and the drive behind the politics right now is becoming so much more wound up, you know, the um, and uh, the violence that was more common on the left is now showing up on the right. I just heard even even this weekend that someone broke into the house of the speaker of the house. And maybe it was a politically motivated, very radicalized person that, uh, um, was looking to do harm and actually harmed nancy pelosi's husband there was a plot to kidnap the uh governor of michigan uh, we all know about the january 6th events and and the the storming of the Capitol and the rhetoric that's been going on and so it just is it's on all sides and i'm not you giving those illustrations to push us one side or another i really don't have any uh horse in this race or whatever but uh, but I'm but I'm seeing this hypercharged situation and um and uh, I I'm also seeing something else um and and I and that is that I'm seeing people from my own faith community uh starting to and maybe more than starting to be pulled into this um uh, uh this 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 context this context of voting and political involvement I was thinking a lot about it and and, and so I like I said we're part of this Anabaptist faith commitment that has not historically um been involved uh, politically we've 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 been uh, um walked outside of that in fact a, a lot of historians look to the Anabaptists as some of the um uh, first folks in um in modern history um as a modern last five hundred years to articulate the idea of separation of church and state that the the church and the state the state should not have established uh religion and and that came to be a part of our constitution here in the United States that there was this separation that uh, uh the 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 mixing of, of of religion and faith and and politics was not a good idea uh I think it was uh I don't know who it was, maybe, uh, Will Rogers said years ago, you know, mixing, um, faith and politics is kind of like putting my ice cream and manure together, you know, or, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the ice cream doesn't hurt the manure a whole lot, but the manure sure does affect the ice cream, you know, and, and uh, so, so there's, there's this, uh, history in the, within the Anabaptist community that we don't uh, get involved in the coercive, power of the state and and uh, and and voting is a part of doing that because voting is is advancing an involvement with uh, with the state and and where does that come from um i would say real quickly uh, from a hermeneutical standpoint um it comes from the way we understand scripture, the way we understand the call of the Christian, the way we relate to the Bible. And what we do is we go first to the teachings and example of Jesus. We have a Christocentric centric hermeneutic. We uh, we let Christ and his teachings and example frame the way we understand the rest of scripture. And uh, And what we see in the example and teachings of Jesus, by the way, which we are called to be, uh A part of we are called to be imitators of christ uh to 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 conform our lives to him to mature as we grow up into faith in Jesus as we grow up to look more like jesus uh we're called Christians you know Christians means christ ones uh little uh little Christ, you know, little imitators of jesus but um uh, but anyway uh this this hermeneutic looks to Jesus and Jesus. Decidedly did not use political power. He was invited to use political power. He was asked about, uh, the use of political power. Uh, he, he was questioned on, on, on whether he was a king or not in a political sense. And his answer was, I'm, I'm not a king in the way you, you, uh, you say if i was my my followers would fight you know um, but but uh, he he was part of uh, an agenda of god that was much bigger much more powerful and was separated from uh the power structures of of the world and um, at at that time it was the roman authorities uh in a secular sense and the jewish authorities in a religious sense and jesus did not co-opt. The power of either of these things, he was welcomed into uh, Jerusalem in the triumphal entry with the hope, I think, on the part of a number of people, that he was coming in to be this physical Messiah, new David, that would, uh, you know, kind of turn over some tables and change some things, you know. And he and he didn't grab hold of that uh, kind of power. And there's all kinds of examples of how he didn't. And neither did his apostles. Neither did his church. Um, as they grew as, as the apostles taught and wrote they built upon what jesus uh taught and and they did not deviate from from his teaching in this regard you don't you're not going to find um in scripture uh, especially new testament scripture you're not going to find an example of the call to change the world through uh through through power structures through force through law through, through that type of thing um uh, you can go back to the old text, testament, the old covenant and maybe, maybe make a case for some of that. But, but the, in the new, new covenant in Jesus, and the example of the way Jesus related to Rome, related to the Jewish authorities is, uh, uh, the Christ, I believe you could make a very good case was also a conscientious abstainer. In fact, Christ was the example, uh, to us. Um, and one of the stories of Jesus that that I was thinking about when I was writing this article was um, was his temptation and uh, and the opportunity the deal that Jesus had um, uh, that that Satan was giving. You remember the temptation of Christ at the very beginning of his ministry in Matthew uh, chapter four is one place we hear we hear this story told and and that that uh, Jesus was out and. And, and in a, in maybe preparation for his active ministry had prayed and fasted for 40 days and, and, uh, um, was, uh, was preparing. And at the end, toward the end of this time, he was tempted, uh, by Satan in three different circumstances. One is to turn stones into bread, to do a miracle after 40 fast, 40 days of fasting, um, uh, a temptation that, that he must have physically had to fight against and he didn't, he didn't succumb to that temptation from Satan. Satan, uh, was motivated, the devil was motivated to trip up this coming Messiah. Perhaps the devil had, uh, an insight into what might be ahead for, for him and his cause. And, um, and Jesus didn't turn the stone into bread, didn't succumb. I answered Satan with scripture. You know this story well. Uh, that he was brought up to the wall of the temple and Satan tempted him to throw himself off and let the angels catch you. Show me a little bit. If you are who you are, uh, um, God's, God's going to protect you and, and prove it, you know, and, uh, and Jesus didn't go for that either. And, uh, but it was the third one that was the most intriguing of the three temptations. Uh, Satan brought it. Well, let me read this here in, in John four, uh, verse eight here. It says, and the devil, Took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, "All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me." So, so the devil was making this deal with Jesus, saying, "Look at all these kingdoms." Uh, Jesus would later call um, Satan the prince and the power of the earth. I mean, I, it, it was it was apparent that Satan had some sway. That maybe maybe they were in in some ways in a spiritual sense Satan's kingdoms to give you know and uh and jesus we know as as god incarnate knew what he was going to suffer where he was going knew what was he was going to face uh he was going to be humiliated he was going to die in excruciating pain uh he was going to carry maybe in the most heavy of all of the things carry the weight of of the sins of you and i and of me and 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 of, of humanity um and uh and, uh, and so he knew what he was going to face and Satan was offering him deal and maybe this was an offering. You know, if the end result was that Jesus would become, um, uh, all powerful, that the kingdoms of the world would be on be, belong to Christ. I'm, I'm just speculating here, but maybe this was an opportunity of doing that without having to suffer and die. Uh, and, and maybe if Jesus had taken that deal, you know, um, The world would have uh, entered into a time of peace as as Christ was now in charge and Satan made this deal. Um, Of course, we know that could have never happened. Uh, The the creator could have never bowed down before the created that Satan was not going to win that deal, that Jesus was not going to succumb to that temptation. Um, but, But it's interesting to think they could have um and, and that temptation in some ways was the temptation that we as Christians are tempted by when we are given the choice to coercively and be a part of the power structure that takes authority in the, of, of the kingdoms of this earth, if that makes sense. We're, we're being tempted in the same way that look, things will be more peaceful. Things will go right. If, if you just be a part of the power structures that are here, if you just put this person into the presidency or elect this senator and help this party move forward so that the, the godly agenda is going to move forward, things will be different. That's the same deal. Now, Jesus didn't take that deal. Um, and, and he took the deal that he was called to do. Uh, by his heavenly father. And and we know the rest of the story. And, and we, uh, by the grace of God are recipients of what, uh, of, of, of the history changing thing that Jesus did. Uh, and, 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 and that it is in the power of that kingdom and the power of the agenda of God, that the world began to change 2000 years ago, that the kingdom of God began to break in that, that, that the, uh, um, the power of God began to be manifest in a spiritual sense in an enduring sense that two thousand years later we're moving toward uh, uh that that in our midst uh this is still swirling and 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 moving forward um so that's the that's you know one of the examples of of how christ didn't choose uh the 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 earthly uh route the easy route is in Some ways, but chose the way of of obedience to his father uh Jesus represented a, an upside down kingdom, a kingdom of servanthood, a kingdom that uh, that, that uh, of being the least, a kingdom that was built on the model of children you know who come in in simplicity who come in um uh humility you know that and the up uh, uh it was Donald Crable back in the eighties uh, uh, uh to call it the upside down kingdom Um uh, Fred David Verso wrote a book with a similar, uh, title about the kingdom that turned the world, um, upside down. And, and, uh, and, and, and I thought, why did not he take this deal? And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read you just a couple of paragraphs of what I wrote. Um, the, one of the reasons is because I think, um, it's 6.30 in the morning and I, I don't think as well as, as I do when I write <laughs> in the evening. Um, Jesus made his point clear again and again that his life and teaching in his life and teachings, he taught the upside down kingdom uh, where the least shall be first, where his followers were called to be servants to enter the kingdom as little children. He taught the predominance of love. He blessed the meek, the merciful, the poor, the peacemakers. He confronted abuse of religious power and he highlighted the dangers of wealth. Week before Passover, his countrymen welcomed him into Jerusalem as a political messiah. They hoped it would restore the glory of Israel. Yet just a few days later, Jesus laid down his life as one despised and rejected, accused of blasphemy, abandoned by those he loved. At any point, he could have mustered uh, both earthly and heavenly armies, but instead he told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest from the Jews, but now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus and his apostles rejected earthly power as a means of establishing this kingdom from another place. He also taught that the power of God would be made manifest in human weakness. Christ's kingdom was not dependent on humor, pa- human power structures, because it is a spiritual kingdom born in the souls of each of the followers uh, that one germinates from inside out. One that germinates from inside out, not in response to human governance, but in response to the Spirit's urging. Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is one of invitation, not coercion that citizenship was freely offered to all who repent and accept his reign. Historically, our understanding as Anabaptists has been framed by using Jesus as our model, and the New Testament church is our guide, especially as we relate to the political structures around us. Jesus and his apostles did not use the coercive power of the Roman or Jewish authority structures to advance the cause of the gospel. And we Anabaptists have tried to follow their lead. In fact, many religious historians point to the Anabaptist movement as one of the first groups to articulate how the widely accepted concept of separation of church and state was lived out. While most Anabaptists accept the God-ordained role of the secular government to punish evil, maintain order in a fallen world, we've traditionally understood that this course of function is outside of the call of Christian discipleship. As a result, Anabaptists have suffered under the state's wrath in addition to enjoying its protection in much the same way. As the early church, so that's the context by which I come to this question of voting, and 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 by which I have become a a conscientious abstainer. And and there's some practical reasons I think, and I want to wrap up with this, and then we can maybe have some discussion, uh, Glenn. Um, there's some practical reasons why, and I I thought of five of them why uh, voting um. Is something, uh, we shouldn't do. I, I, I think the most foundational reason is because it's, reason is because it's not a way to follow Jesus. If we vote, if we get involved in the political power, we are in, on a path that is separate from the teachings and example of Jesus. Foundationally, I, I think that's clear. I, I would argue that pretty strongly. Um, but, but there's, there's five things that, that, that voting does that has an effect on us uh and i think we need to be aware of them the first one is that by being involved in political uh pow- the political uh, politics and, and voting is the the gateway to that kind of involvement is there's a danger of getting distracted from our primary calling. You know, our primary calling as Christians is laid out in Matthew 28. You know, we're to go into all the world. We're to make disciples. We're to baptize them. We're to teach them everything Jesus commanded. That's our calling. And involvement in voting and involvement in politics uh, runs the danger of pulling us off on into another agenda. We start to put resources, time, energy, effort that needs to be poured into the advancement of the kingdom and uh and we 're finding out that um uh we 're finding out that uh that that we get pulled all of a sudden and sucked into something that is peripheral to the work of the kingdom of God, even though it feels good maybe we 're fighting for abortion maybe we 're fighting for you know the family maybe we're there, there's there's things that we might be involved in maybe maybe we're we're involved in politics because we care about church and state separation and the the uh, the keeping uh keeping the the state at bay from from imposing its will on on religious communities and on communities faith you know whatever those causes are um that may draw us in uh there's a danger of 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 of, of be pulled off message and having our resources pulled in to the wrong direction and those resources once they are, are not being used for what Christ calls us to do um, the second danger is the danger of uh, being a house divided um, uh, y- political operatives know that the way to get people moved into politics is to vilify the opposition just a poor vitriol into this so that so that you be so that the opposition is painted in this negative. And as evil over right, you hear you hear people using spiritual terms in political context to describe the evil of the other side you know and and uh and and so that kind of uh message is just constant and and if you have uh, any access to the media in Pennsylvania, just spend a little time uh uh you, you, you even if you don't have access to the media in Pennsylvania, I don't think you can hardly avoid it uh, and and you see how the other side is being vilified and i say the other side it doesn't matter who's doing the vilifying both sides are doing that that's the way the game is played and uh, these perspectives have divided the household of christ politics has gotten people so wound up that people within the faith community are becoming estranged from each other separated from each other because of politics or maybe it's because of the um Failure to become involved. Uh, there are people that, that, that really struggle with me. I know this. People that I call friends who are politically involved, who are disappointed or I am suspect because I am, uh, you know, so overtly, um, uh, pr- promoting non-involvement in politics and they feel like that's a betrayal and, and, and so there's even you know, separation between me and some of my politically involved, uh, uh, brothers and sisters on the right and the left who, who see, who, who, who feel like I'm, I'm, uh, advocating for something that's undercutting what they're, uh, what they're all about. Or, or when I come along and, um and don't see the package exactly the way they would want me to, the, be, because politics comes in packages. You know, you, you buy the cake with all the ingredients and, uh, and, uh, some of those ingredients are pretty caustic. Um, regardless of which side of the package you're you're buying you know and and uh which side of which cake you're eating the cake of the left or the cake of the right you know that that uh so uh so there's a danger of, of becoming a house divided and the church uh is is being pulled apart uh through politics families are being pulled apart through political involvement right now as it winds up a third danger is the danger of uh uh, investing in earthly power this idea of um, of of using earthly power to to um, to make things happen and i think the most selfish motive of this is using earthly power to protect the wealth and possessions and privilege that we have gained over the years this is a politics is 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 by and large a pretty selfish um endeavor it's 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 an endeavor to protect what I've got. We as Anabaptists for hundreds of years in this country, many of us have had stable, solid families. We're hardworking folks. We get up at six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning and gather to, 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 to do things like this. You know, all I'm saying is over the years, this wealth has, has really grown. And, and, and so uh, we're motivated to keep that status quo, to keep that position, to keep that power and, and politics, uh, is the, involves us in the act of protecting what we've got, not, uh, by leaning on, uh, Christ or not even by seeking first his kingdom and letting him take care of the rest as, as Jesus says in Matthew, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, but, but by, by voting for and, uh, people and laws that are going to protect what we've got you know so so there's this idea it, it, it also and this is maybe the most important thing um, voting in politics as a it, it pu- pulls our loyalties uh it it draws us in and ultimately it becomes a danger to our allegiance um, non-voting uh, is a simple act but in some ways uh, it it acts as a firewall you know computers have a Firewalls, or I don't know if they still do, but in computer society, uh, computer um, uh, setup, you want to have a firewall between you and the viruses and the bad stuff that's out there that's that's going to keep it from getting into your computer. Um, and and so something, a barrier is placed out there. I feel like voting is is a firewall of sorts that keeps us from. Um, from from the long slide that may start to undercut our allegiance and 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 instead of uh, being a, 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 a declaring our allegiance fully to Jesus we we have split loyalties or 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 shifted loyalties or now we we become uh, loyal and, and declare our allegiance to the state as well as and to the power structures or to a party as well as Jesus, rather than to the kingdom of god so that's a That's a a third one. A fourth one that I think is really important in recognizing is that uh, there's a danger of being formed by politics. Um, If I vote and if I start to get politically involved, something subtle is going to happen to me. It, It happens. It's human nature. I start to conform my thinking, my worldview, my perspective to my new tribe my valley. My it's like it's kind of built into us to be uh tribal in this regard there's a couple of guys uh, uh mr putnam mr campbell wrote a book uh, called american grace a few years ago it was a pretty extensive study on people and their relationship with politics and religion and uh they came to this conclusion they said most people change their religion to fit their politics not their politics to fit their religion um is it any wonder that today's uh churches end up so um uh closely mirroring the political platforms of of the parties to which those churches tend to be involved does that make sense uh the the the, the uh the churches on the left the socially active the uh, you know the uh justice oriented uh churches end up looking very much like the the package on the left the uh, the churches on the right the evangelical conservative evangelicals um they take on the whole package it 's not a few issues but uh, but they they everything that is important to that platform now becomes important to them people people tend to conform to their new tribe and the, the tribe that they are moving toward is the tribe of politics the tribe of um, Political involvement and, and that's, you can see that happening. I've, I've watched it over the past 35, 40 years, uh, live long enough to see some movement in that regard. um uh, and then the final, uh, thing I think that's a danger is the danger of alienating those to whom we are called to minister. Uh, we start picking sides, brothers and sisters, and, and, uh, um, and we end up alienating ourselves from some of the people that we are called to reach out to because now we've become, um uh, now we've become, uh, um, a, a part of something that, uh, that they won't relate to. Uh, does this make sense? We get cut off from others because we've chosen a tribe, uh, and the tribe is not the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the world, but the tribe is a subsection, a political party or whatever. Uh, it, it also works in, internally. Uh, there's some studies that show that um, people, uh young people are leaving Christianity in, in massive numbers. And when pushed on why they're leaving it, one of the chief uh reasons is the political involvement of the church that, that, uh, that, that young people are being alienated by the way they see the church um, selling out to, to politics. And so uh so I think those are some, and I guess we're, that's about 45 minutes, Glenn. That's what I was kind of aiming for here, but that, that's kind of a summary of the article. You can link to it, uh, read it, uh, in, in, uh, if, if you want to think about those things. But, um, but all that to say, um, I, I think we are needing to be, uh, strongly aware that there is a lot of pressure uh, on our community to become politically involved. And I think we're getting a little ragged around the edges. I think there's a core commitment, uh, to, um, to, to this two kingdom theology that, that, that keeps, keeps us distant from political involvement. But I just think we need to continue to be on guard. And, uh, and, and I, I see people and I have friends and, and people and relationships in this, nonconformist plain anabaptist community that are getting pulled in and and the politicians are are watching for that uh Lancaster County becomes a stop along the along the way now you know that um, that um politics is now if 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 the local politician or the state politician can pull in uh the plain community um they all of a sudden have an awful lot of, uh, votes and an awful lot of potential, you know, and, and an awful lot of power. Um so, uh, so maybe, maybe it's time to just throw open this to a couple of questions before I, uh, I wrap up. I do want to reserve maybe just the last five minutes to just comment. Uh, you know, I, I've talked mostly about why, what I, what we don't do. Uh, there is a positive model actually that comes right out of scripture, uh, for what we do do and, uh, the proactive model. Um, so, you know, abstention means not doing something, but I, I don't think we're supposed to just kind of be uninvolved, be passive, you know, the, um, so, so where, where are we at with questions, thoughts, uh, pushback, um,
1: All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dan. Yes, uh, we do have a few questions here and I want to thank you for for sharing. And uh, yeah, so uh, I do have a question here uh, specifically to what you were just um, bringing up about what should we be doing instead when those who are politically involved accuse those who are not politically involved of doing nothing. Is that something that you want to be you have something to address on that After some other questions. I
0: I do. And maybe I'll just reserve that to to the end if I can. Um, I I will say this, though, that that question is usually motivated not by. um, Not by a concern that you're not involved, but it's probably motivated by a concern that why aren't you involved with their cause, And why can't you lend your voice to what they hope, you know, that they're uh, they're not asking you to become politically involved uh, in any other way than to be politically involved with them in the same causes that they care about, you know, and, uh, and for our faith community, it tends to be the more conservative causes more often than not because of what's happening in society, because of some of what we see, but, but there are, there are plenty of causes to to go around on all sides of the spectrum here.
1: All right. So another question that came in is um, how do you feel about um, holding office or running for office in, in local town governments, where there's um, you, you mentioned the dog catcher.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that's <laughs> that a good question.
0: Uh, there, there's a, I will start by saying this. Take away um, all of the argument about the, the the following the 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 example of Jesus and, and reasons not to vote. Um, there's there's this pragmatic reason that a non not a non um oh that uh non resistance uh, keeps me from voting, and that is how can I claim non-resistance and vote in the commander-in-chief of the military? Or how can I claim non-resistance and vote in the sheriff sheriff who who carries a, a gun and may use a deadly force on my behalf? Or how do I vote in a congressman who may vote to go to war on my behalf? So so conscious objection even alone is is a reason uh to not to not vote. But uh but what about those local things? Uh uh, you know the the greatest my my closest temptation i would have ever come to voting has has been on on local issues do does does gambling come into our community is there a referendum on gambling i'm i'm you know i'm gonna come out against gambling and so maybe I should register to vote in that um i guess what i would say or or local involvement you know showing up locally at at the town at the town meeting or or you know um i think that the that the, the at the surface maybe there that that feels less conflicting with my christian sensibilities but i want to say this i think that kind of involvement is a, a gateway drug um <laughs> if, if if i could say it that way you know um we don't uh, we we don't become political and politically minded all at once it, it's it, it, a vote is an entry into a system that eventually grows within us and uh and I suspect most um uh, most politicians and most people who are just viciously political have started in, in a small way you know so I think there's a danger there um uh, I, I would, I would just challenge us to find ways to be salt and light, but understand that there is a danger that politics at that, that point I made about politics forming us. Uh, maybe we're, we're, maybe we're strong enough to keep that from happening. Maybe we're not, but, uh, but you start showing up, you start uh, being involved in the process. You start being relating to others who are involved in the process and your commitment grows to that party and that tribe. And, and, uh, it, uh, I think it's, it's the danger maybe, uh, and I suspect there are an awful lot of ways of being effective salt and light this side of the political system. You know, if we can make a difference in our community and people's lives in so many practical ways. Um, Jesus could have been involved locally politically as well as his apostles and they chose not to, you know, they chose to change the world. In other ways by uh, by advancing the cause of love i I don 't know if that answers it fully um, I you know I, I think we all have some some liberty here to, to work this through, but I just would put up a big caution that that uh, that little harmless puff of marijuana doesn't <laughs> doesn't lead to something bigger down the road you know, using that metaphor. Good morning, brother Dan. I want to commend you for a, a
2: very inspiring presentation. I find a wonderful prototype for what you're talking about in the Old Testament in the person of Moses. Yes. When you think about Moses making his decision, <clears throat> you know, he he was in line, if not to be Pharaoh, at least to be greatly involved in that system and how much good he could have done. I mean, he could have been a person influencing the whole world in that coercive uh, yeah. type yeah. of system. <laughs> but he chose – to set up a counter-cultural community of faith. A lot of people go to the Old Testament, of course, and look at the coercive tactics of Israel, but th- what they forget is that was outside the power structures of the day, and God constantly warned them never to get involved with those power structures. Right. So I think even there in the Old Testament, we have a wonderful prototype of the kingdom of heaven. I mean, it was operating, of course, differently in the Old Testament, but it's still that same concept of setting up a counter-cultural community of faith, uh, that is a challenge to the kingdoms of this world. So yeah. I, I just find that a tremendous inspiration to just look at Moses and the momentous choice he made uh, to take a countercultural approach rather than get involved in the kingdoms of this world. But my question to you is the one that is often raised. If someone attacks my family, should we use the uh, uh, state uh, or the carnal forces of the world to protect ourselves and call 911? That's a question uh, the billboard people that talk to me are often asking that question. So do right. you people in any way use the state to protect you when you're in trouble?
0: Right. I I guess the, 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 there's two, two answers to that in a personal sense. Uh, not if I can help it, <laughs> you know, that uh, in, in other words that, 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 uh you know, my, uh, my approach to, to um, protecting my family, uh, is is to use whatever i'm given from from the teachings and example of jesus to disarm to uh call on spiritual protection to to reach out to to a protection that is so much greater and grander than the the you know the coercive force of the police and and whoever it is that comes with a with 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 force um i think romans third uh romans um uh Gives us the understanding from, uh, from the apostle Paul that, uh, that uh, the state keeps order in a fallen world, that, uh, that, that this is a, I think in some ways, this is a whole different discussion, but that there's a grace from God that, uh, that allows the state to punish evil, to, uh, you know, to, to not bear the sword in vain. So I think, I, I think that's, a, there's an allowance for that. Um, if harm was being done and a violent person was, was doing, uh, uh, harm, uh, I think the state involvement or police involvement is, uh, is something that, um that is ordained to happen or, or, you know, by, uh, by God. But, um uh, but I, I'm hesitant and I, I would, I think I would, in light of that, probably call 911 if there was someone with a, doing harm to an innocent you know that type of that type of thing um it, it's a it's a good it's a good question our commitment though is is so much higher than that and to a power so much greater than that and uh and I don't join in the exercise of that deadly force um i'm ready and I, we can go on for a long time about this uh this discussion but i don't know if that answers what you're saying. I'm curious, John, you've thought about this, I'm sure quite a bit yourself. Would you, would you, would you dial nine one one? That's why I ask you because I'm not sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there has to be uh in that area. I think we have to leave it to what uh, God would say to us in our, I think it's a case by case
0: decision. I've been, I've been held at gunpoint. We lived in Haiti. uh I've, I've been, um uh, had my life threatened, uh, you know, police were called in that circumstance. They didn't come, you know, in time, but, uh, but, but by the grace of God, uh, I was just working, uh, the love of Christ to, and, and, and the power of prayer at that moment to the greatest degree I could. Uh, the police, the authorities were something outside of that circumstance, outside of that moment, outside of my control. And with all that was in me, I was going to work at living out the non-resistant love to this. A uh, fellow that that had the gun pointed at me um and uh you know by the grace of God I'm here maybe maybe if God was ready to take me, I wouldn't be but uh but i I felt much more confidence in the power that that I rested in in jesus than than uh waiting for the potential of the police coming to defuse a situation like that if that's if that's any help well. Yeah. I think
2: the misconception a lot of people have is if, uh, carnal force gets involved, there will be protection. Uh, that's yeah. not necessarily true. No, nope, the, the police studies, uh, have shown because they're always interested in how to defuse these situations in the most uh, effective way. Uh, the police studies have shown that you're more likely to survive if force does not get involved. That's right. Even if it does get involved.
0: Well, and force, uh, these, these discussions always kind of assume that force is the only way out of these yes. situations. Yes. That's that, that prayer, that humor, that love that, you know, Pablo Yoder, who just passed away recently, uh uh, uh talks a lot about, uh, um you know, non-resistance in the face of violence, you know, and, and some of the transformative things that, that have happened. Um, I, I know that you've had him on this, uh, podcast and then somebody wants to link back to some of those stories. It's, it's pretty powerful down in, uh, Nicaragua where, uh, where God's protection was in the midst of a non-resistant response to violence. Oh, we're, we're a little off topic. Glenn, may I, have, may I finish with my summary here? Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> we're just getting started here, but, but, uh, anyway uh so so to to say don't vote is is not enough um to say follow the teachings and example of Jesus is is where we're going and not voting is not a call to passivity um we are to be salt and light we are to overcome evil with good we're to be active forces for the advance of the kingdom of god and the power of love and the power of the way of Jesus in this world so so i, I we get we get uh, by by not voting by not uh by turning the other cheek we get accused of of doing nothing the last thing i want to do is nothing for the cause of christ i would give my life for the cause of christ if that's something you know so so the the the, the model is not um, using the power structures the model to respond to the power structures of the world is given to us uh, by by the apostle paul in second uh, corinthians 5 where he talks about being an ambassador for Christ. That ambassador model is just a powerful proactive model. It's a model that says I am uh, number 1 a representative of my king and my country. As Peter says, we're strangers and aliens. I'm I'm here. I'm not a part of your power structures, but I'm here to speak to your power structures and I'm here to to mirror and to represent and to um promote the perspective Of my King, you know, my King is King Jesus. His kingdom is is the kingdom that I have come to represent, and and my ministry is this ministry of reconciliation, you know, that Scripture talks about. So, um, as an ambassador representing King king and country, I do need to speak the truth. Um, I I need to speak it even when it's unpopular. Um, the, The prophetic voice of Christians is important. If nothing else, it's one of the ways that the world finds out. Um What the way of Christ is all about when when the when society around us is uh, is is uh, uh, going in in directions in terms of sexuality or in terms of the family uh, that are counter to the way of Jesus, we do need to speak up prophetically when when children and babies are, are being killed in the womb, uh, we have an opinion about that that comes out of Christ's love for children and, and the 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 sanctity, the holiness of 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 life. Um you know when the church uh, is being oppressed, when the state is um overreaching, we can speak up to that. But we do it not through the political systems, we do it as an ambassador speaking as uh, to the kingdom of God. Uh when um when the poor go un- uncared for when injustice um racially or otherwise is happening when 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 oppression is going on when when wealth is is oppressing, we can speak up we can speak prophetically, but we don't speak politically and there's a difference there we speak ambassadorially if that's a if that's a word. Um, ambassadors also, not only are they uh, speaking uh, the truth of their king and country, but they're doing so diplomatically um, uh, that uh, that we do so uh, not as um, a belligerent uh finger wagging conservatives or, or whatever or or a gender-driven angry people. We do we we speak as Jesus says, speak the truth in, in love, right? We speak with with uh we speak in such a way as to be heard. Um and and to, to be honest, uh politically involved people as they speak to each other and as they speak to the world around us are typically not heard because of the way they're speaking there 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 they're, there's anger there's there's uh, um there's you know uh shows of 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 vitriol and force and I, and I think I think uh we need to speak diplomatically and um and, and maybe most important as ambassadors we rise above the prey, uh, the fray the prey, maybe too um an ambassador is taught to not get involved in the local politics of the country. They are to stay above the local politics. They're not to choose sides. They're not to become, uh, a part of the agenda of the country to which they are sent. They are to speak on behalf of their king into the context of that country. And so, so that ambassador model becomes the template I think the apostle Paul has given us, um, to, uh, uh, to move forward. And I, that's a whole discussion itself. What does it mean to be an ambassador? How do we do that? You know, but there's just a great model there. I'm thankful for that, uh, th- that we have that. I'm going to just end with a quote here. If I may, Glenn, I know we're a little over time, but um, um, I, the first one I'm going to quote is, it says this uh, when we as Christian representatives as Christ representatives choose to enter into the petty tribalism of partisan politics we not only lose credibility we risk casting the lord of all creation into the role of tribal deity a, a grievous demotion uh, our ambassadorial voice is clearest when our fealty is to christ alone um i was quoting myself there I actually but uh, but the the the, the 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 i was actually asked to be a part of a um an article on Christian nationalism with the viewpoint folks. And, and I, uh, one of the little subsection questions that I, I was asked to write about was this idea of being an ambassador. But, 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 uh, politics is just inherently tribal. And, um, and if we pull God along with us, we start to frame the God of all creation and, and, and he becomes a tribal deity. He becomes our God, the God of our party, the God of the Republican party, the God of the Democratic party, whatever um what uh what a demotion (laughs) to 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 the god of all creation and and what a danger and and i would say borderline uh what 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 a um what a blasphemy you know what what idolatry um so so guard that i'm going to end with a quote from uh greg boyd um who wrote a book uh called the myth of a christian nation Greg, greg is a a uh a mainstream is not, is not plain or nonconformed by any, any sense, although he's someone who's, who's spoken to and, and, and was drawn to Anabaptism, uh, like I was along the way. And he said this, he said, the reason God calls kingdom people to remain separate from the ways of the kingdoms of this world is not to isolate them from their culture, but to empower them to authentically serve their culture and ultimately to win it over to allegiance to Jesus Christ. The reason we are not to be of the world is so that we may be for the world. Um, so that the world may know who Jesus is. And that's where our witness is. And, and I, I, I want to end just with a, with a calling to each of us to, um, uh, take on this role of, of representing the kingdom of Christ. And uh, let's, let's go forward, um, boldly. Let's go forward in such a way that we can, uh, Make a difference of, through Christ empowering us to, for, in the world. Um, and let's not do it, um, through, through, through secular means, through human means, through, uh, through, through the powers of this earth. Um, who scripture says ultimately Christ will eventually put under his feet, even, even, even Christian, Judeo-Christian governments, uh, will be under the feet of Jesus eventually, um, according to scripture.
1: Amen, thank you, Dan. yeah, so, um, have a few more questions. We won't have time to get to, but uh really, thank you for your your time this morning and um Dan does need to be getting off here so uh, maybe if you would close with a word of prayer and then I just have uh, one quick announcement following that. sure Brother Dan
0: Lord um we feel small sometimes um and we are in the midst of a world that seems so confused uh so off track um we see wrong um happening all around us and um and we want to know how to go forward um and and to, to uh to be salt and light give us the courage uh to stand resolutely uh for your kingdom um, to to mirror you in the way you lived and the way you talked and the way you you, um, made a difference in the world around you. Uh, May we echo uh, your voice, Lord, as the world gets angry around us, um, as loyalties shift, we just ask by the power of your spirit that we would be given the strength to remain loyal to you as king to your kingdom as as our country um to the nation of the children of jesus that transcends boundaries and tribes and barriers and borders um be with each of those that are a part of this and that would listen to this uh down the road that down the down the line here that um, that you would help each of us uh find ways to uh to be ambassadors for you and your kingdom, and we pray along with you that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done um, on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you for the adoption into this into this kingdom, for for what you did uh, by not choosing the easy way, but by choosing the hard way, by suffering and dying, and and uh, and and allowing us to be reconciled to your Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.
1: Amen. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, next week, uh, we will be having a meeting again because today's meeting is an off week. And uh, so next week, November 5, we'll be continuing the series on sacred writings. Uh, Chuck Pike will be joining us uh, to talk about the Bible that Jesus read. So look forward to that. And uh, with that, I think we'll conclude. Thanks again for joining us today and Lord bless you.
0: Blessings, everyone. Thank you. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend.